What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another America's Pastime podcast, episode number 190. And today, Mike and I will be going over our top 10 fantasy uh, relievers list. Um, Unfortunately, again, Jeremy won't be able to join us. Uh, He's working on some other stuff outside of the podcast and is really busy right now. But Mike and I, again, will hold down the episode. So the way we're going to do this is the way we've done our list for the past two weeks. Um, We're going to present our back half. So 10 through six of our list, and then we will go through our five through one, and then we will build our list one to 10. So Mike, who is your 10 through six on your list? Sure. So <clears throat> at number 10, uh, Camilo Duvall. At nine, Jordan Romano. Eight, Aroldis Chapman. Seven, Edwin Diaz. And six, Kenley Jansen. So I've got Jordan Romano at 10, Will Smith at nine, Aroldis Chapman at eight, Kenley Jansen at seven, Emmanuel Classe at six. So, Mike, something that jumps right off the page for me is you have Camilo Doval at number 10. Would you like to tell everybody who he is? Because I think there's quite a few people who may have not have heard of uh, him before. Yeah, so he is a rookie. Well, he's going through his second year, but was a rookie with the, the Giants last year. And the reason I have him at 10, yes, a little bit of me just buying into the player he is. And it's a tough formation of I, I didn't have Will Smith and – um, that's a guy that can definitely just switch out for me easily. Just I, I was trying to think a little outside the box with these relievers because you know how we always talk about how volatile the position is. And when some guys can just leap like wait like around to the on the rankings and then drop off entirely the next year. You know, so Demol Deval is a rookie. He's a guy that Gabe Kapler used extensively late in September. He had a few saves, and then that transitioned into the postseason where he also got saved and where he also found some success. He has, like, a nasty fastball, one of the best in the game, and an overpowering slider, and he just seems like a very good young right-handed uh, pitcher. Um, and the fact that he got those, you know, late saves in the year and in the postseason kind of shows to me that he's going to be – Gabe Kapler's preferred option for the ninth inning going forward. Uh, obviously, there's still going to be a fight between him and Jake McGee, but at this point in McGee's career too, and you know, with Duvall, I think that it's it's okay for Duvall to you know take the torch from McGee. McGee was a, a fantastic closer last year, but I think Duvall has a lot more upside. And because, uh, because he's on that Giants team, I expect him to get a lot of save opportunities and for him to convert a lot of them. Uh, like a few like stats – this like <clears throat> that show him being uh disgusting is that he's a, in the 27 innings that he did pitch he had a very low hits per nine 6.3 uh 3.0 uh, walks per nine which is about middle of the road and a 12.3 strikeout per nine which is pretty elite I would say and uh, definitely in the, the upper uh, echelon of closers and when you compare it to a guy like Jake McGee it's kind of night and day. McGee's K per nine, I think, was below nine last year, which, you know, typically uh, in this game, especially in the close position, you, you see guys with a lot of strikeouts. And then now we're talking fantasy value as well. If uh, Duvall is the closer, which I think he's going to be, and he has, you know, the strikeout rate, he has a lower hit rate and a low uh, walk rate. I think all those things kind of combine for a, a, a successful fantasy closer. Um, but I guess, again, me omitting Will Smith in favor for this could be something that, you know, 
I, I'm not gonna say I, I will regret, but just it could be a miss by me. And I, I'm willing to acknowledge that now moving forward. This is this is my spicy take of the uh, of the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I had Will Smith on my list at number nine. Um, really, it was because 37 saves in 2021. I understand the concern about him not recording any saves in 2020. However, he did go through a rough patch and Atlanta decided to um, give the closing job to, I believe it was actually Mark Melanson, who did very well in that position. Um, so it was just really, um, Smith didn't do, he, he didn't perform well enough and he was just outperformed by Melanson who took over the position. But if you go back to 2019, 34 saves with the Giants, in 65 innings the guy will throw close to never actually uh has only surpassed 70 innings pitch once in his career and that was way back in 2012 um but i do believe he could pitch close to 70 um again in 2021 had 68 innings in 2021 um and 87 strikeouts which is in my opinion something that you know you want to look for in uh, relievers especially fantasy wise are the saves and strikeouts uh, and then you know just minimizing the earned runs to an extent 26 earned runs in 2021 not exactly ideal um, however that's not too far off from the rest of the guys at the back half of this list so um, just to touch on Deval a little bit more I mean I you know I didn't really consider him for my list at all until I saw him on Mike's list. Definitely an interesting take by Mike. Uh, I mean, Deval, according to fan graphs, has an average fastball velocity of 98.7 miles an hour and an average slider of 86.5 miles an hour, which is top of the game for sure. Um, you know, two pitch mix obviously does well with that. And then if you look at Jake McGee's splits, which is a little interesting um, in the month of August, he appeared in 12 games, saved seven of those, but had a 1.15 whip and a 3.97 ERA, so close to four in the month of August. And then in the month of September, only appeared in five games, saved two of those, and a 1.4 whip with a 3.6 ERA. So I don't know if... Um, that was a result of injury or something like that. The lower games played, but with the addition of Duval to that bullpen, uh, it definitely took away some innings and some appearances from uh, McGee, which is a little bit interesting heading into 2022. Um, you know, Mike might be right about the, uh, you know, the closing situation in San Francisco with Kapler choosing uh, Duval over McGee. Because Deval does go in and get a lot of strikeouts, as Mike mentioned, with that K per nine of 12, I believe. Uh, and yes, uh, Mike is right. McGee had a K per nine of, I believe, eight point something. Yeah, I think it was like 8.8 so. or something like that. It was yeah. still, it's still good. I mean, he had a very good year. Don't get me wrong. I just, I think going forward, I think that's, that Deval is going to be the guy that takes that role. Yeah, um, for sure. And then I guess another you know possible guy that we should consider in the back half of this list is Melanson. Uh, at least for me, the reason why I did not take him is just because he's going to be with the Diamondbacks now and the fact that he's going to his age 37 season. Uh, I know he's been one of the you know, more consistent relievers over the last decade now. He's been in the league since 09. But 
when you go from, you know, the Padres, well, even though they had this pointing year, they were still like a top class team. I mean, he led the league and save opportunities and saves. Um, but now when you go to the Diamondbacks team, the team is not really going to be in contention. The save opportunities are just not going to be there. And while you know, he definitely can still have a very good season, and when you know it's all said and done, he could wind up being somewhere in the top ten relievers, maybe like in the eight to ten range in terms of just total points um, accrued over the season. I just don't. I think just the upside of some of the other guys that we're going to have on this list, and obviously the guys that's been that have been on these lists for years are just more still better and more valuable and younger than Melanson. And that kind of is maybe an unfair knock to him, but he's still like knocking on the door and can still find his way on this list. He's that good. Yeah, I I agree with that. Um, I think if this was a categories only fantasy list, uh, Melanson would definitely be on this list uh, in some capacity. I mean, he, at one point, I believe there was a, uh, probably a four or five year stretch where he was the best closer in baseball. Um, you know, he's obviously still got it. 39 saves with San Diego in 2021 could probably put up at least 25 in Arizona. The issue with him is uh, the strikeouts um, and now the walks a little bit later in his career. He had 25 walks in 2021 for me. Um, that's just it's concerning. Um, and especially when you don't have um, an overwhelm, another stat that's overwhelming, like innings pitched or strikeouts that kind of makes up for that. Um, it's a little bit uh, concerning and it impacts his uh, fantasy value, especially in a general fantasy list, like his highest strikeout total, I believe in his career, his single season strikeout, highest strikeout total was in 2014 with Pittsburgh at 71. And I believe 71 strikeouts is probably actually the lowest out of anybody on this list. Or Besides Duvall. Yeah, except for Duvall. Um, but on my list, 71 would be the lowest. And, you know, in 2021, he had 59. So um, it's a little bit concerning for me. Um, and that's largely why I left him off his list. And when you look at it, a lot of the other guys um, on my list specifically – make up in terms of innings pitched, like most of them have at least 10 plus innings more than Melanson. And, you know, um, a few of them have a hundred strikeouts and most are, I believe are 80 plus. So, um, you know, when you combine the value that we, you would get from those extra 30 strikeouts that all the other guys on this list get plus the extra 10 innings and a similar ERA and whip um, to Melanson, um, it kind of makes up for those extra nine, ten saves that Melanson got over them. So yeah, no, it yeah. it comes down to what also the players you're looking at. I, I think that most of these guys on this list still put up like a lot of fantasy value because they have good seasons, and also I think all their ceilings are higher than Melanson's. Melanson. Like he's insanely sturdy and reliable, and you kind of know he's gonna have like a maybe like a high two ERA with like twenty to thirty saves in that range, and then there's like the um, around the, the nine K per nine in terms of strikeouts. It's just when you go like oh fancy value, yes, like we could be wrong and you could just accrue enough stats to get there, but I think that taking the upside in the in the closer position when it's that close for him being on and off the list, you know what I'm saying? Like I'd rather take a guy that is really good. That could just really explode 
then take a guy like Melanson who we know is gonna be like to, to, in that round of ten spot range, but in the one bad season, like well, even like if he has like three or four like really bad games, that immediately makes his numbers like terrible because he doesn't have like the strikeouts and everything else to really uh help recover that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the guy you were talking about who, uh, for you, who was going to explode is Doval. For me, it was Jordan Romano, um, Blue Jays relief pitcher. He was their closer in 2021. He was also the closer um, when, uh, I believe it was Ken Giles in 2020 was pitching. Um, I, I could be wrong. Uh, when, when Giles or Yates or somebody was hurt, um, Romano took over and um, was the closer for a little bit and showed out really well. Um, nevertheless, had a really good season just as a general relief pitcher in 2020 and then followed that up as the primary closer for the Jays in 2021. Um, 2.14 ERA, uh, 23 saves in 63 innings with 85 strikeouts and 1.05 whip, only 15 earned runs, 25 walks and seven home runs. So if you ask me, those are some pretty good numbers for a guy who pitched 63 innings. And I think, um, you know, being the primary closer heading into 2022, barring any uh, transactions that the Jays make uh, to deepen their bullpen, um, I don't think they would bring in a closer because they do have Romano. I mean, the guy's gross, um, you know, fastball velocity of 97th percentile, 83 percentile in spin um, with percentage of, uh, you know, in the 84th percentile so he's going to be gross heading into 2022 and given the fact he's only 28 uh, I think he will be very very good for the Blue Jays and because he is pitching for the Blue Jays out of their bullpen he's going to get a high volume of innings and there is a good chance that they he will get a ton of saves because I think if the Jays don't win 100 games this year it's almost a disappointment um, and it could cost them a playoff spot as well, especially playing in that day at least. That's yeah. another conversation. So for me, um, it was Romano who was the guy that I put in over uh, Melanson, and I think uh, Mike put Duvall on his list over Melanson as well. So Yeah, I have Romano in, in the nine spot. You touched upon him nicely, but yeah, I think that with the team that he's on, now that he's firmly into that closer role, that he, he doesn't have an insane year, and this seem like correspond with the success of the Blue Jays in general. Absolutely. So unless there's anybody else you want to talk about, Mike, I think we can move to the five through one, the front yeah, half of I our mean, list. And then... I mean, I think we should at least touch on um, guys we both have back here. We both had Chapman okay. at eight. So I just, I just want to talk about him. Like we, we saw him kind of get touched up at a time more than really any point in his career. Uh, last year, he gave it the most home runs of his entire career. Uh, I think he also had like some of the worst command of his entire career. And um, he walked the most batters. Um, the hits per nine also was up from where, you know, his career averages are, I know his career average is 5.1. He had a 5.8 last year. His home run per nine is usually 0.6. It was 1.5 last year. I mean, 1.4, 1.5 in 2020. He only had um, even shorter sample size in the COVID year. Uh, the strikeout rate's still there. It's he's still always gonna do that, just with you know that that command that he had, with other things, the loss of command that he had, and that really resulted in walks, it resulted in home runs, and this more hard contact. He's still gonna be a dominant closer. I, I think that he either he can rebound because stuff like that is can be a year to year fix. 
But Chapman has been way too good for way too long to, for me to keep him off the list. And even though there were some concerning signs, uh, I think him being in the eight spot is more than fine for him. And maybe another rough year could knock him off of this list. But for right now, he's still here. Yeah, I think um, it would take a really rough year for him to be off this list in general. I mean, the fact that he gets 30 saves in such a low amount of innings pitched, only 56 in 2021, and then on top of that, 97 strikeouts. I think that's something, unless he you know, gives up 50 earned runs, I don't really think he's going to be booted off this list completely um, unless there's a bunch of other guys who really show out in 2022. But um, yeah, you, you summed up uh, Chapman really well. Um, definitely at the later stages of his career, being 33 right now, um, I'm not sure how much he can improve on. And I don't know how many more innings how many innings more than you know 56 he's going to throw in 2022 he could touch 60 but i don't think he's going to go anything past that he was never really a big innings guy he was just an exclusive closer um yeah. throughout his career so um you know that's another thing that kind of impacts him to an extent um but if he can you know get those earned runs down close to 15 in 2022 and keep the strikeouts and the saves the way they are i don't really think the innings pitch make that big of a difference yeah um, and he could climb his way further up the list yeah and he's and he's still throwing 100 miles per hour from the left exactly. side has a very good slider and he developed that splitter as well which seems to be a really gross pitch i i, I forgot what the exact numbers were and where i saw it but i saw that like the the, the contact that was yielded on it was crazy like i think he like threw the pitch like 31 times and he had like 30 swings and misses or maybe like uh, the, the pitcher swung at 31 times and only one person put it in play. Like it was something stupid like that, where it just shows how gross it was. It, it's a very devastating pitch for a guy that has like, you know, that explosive delivery uh, to the plate. And then he has like that flatter 100 mile power fastball. And then he has a splitter, which, you know, comes out of his hand, in the same spot and it just drops right off the table. So yeah, no, he is gross. And then Edwin Diaz, he was, you know, phenomenal in that 2018 season of Seattle. And then when that trade happened with the Mets, we really expected him to, to just be like that same a similar guy and, you know, take the, like, give the Mets like the first, like, well, I guess the best closer they've had since like the elite uh, familiar years. And I guess more, maybe more so uh, when Wagner was at the team like a decade prior. Uh, you know, 2019, we know how bad that went. And then he rebounded hugely during the COVID year. And then last year, I think he was still really good. Um, got touched up a little bit at certain points of the year, but he's still a very good closer. And I'm still confident. And I look at, like, you know, his savant numbers too. He's a guy that can bring back and oh, dial up the, you know, the clock back a little bit and get to that 2018 Seattle year. Uh, I think the sub two ERA and 57 saves is like, probably out of the picture. I think that when we look back at his career, that's going to be his best season. But to have a career, in, I mean, an ERA in the twos, have like 40 uh, saves with his Mets team, and he's still like an elite strikeout guy. And he, he limited the walks last year as well. Limit, he was much better at uh, limiting damage in terms of walks, hits. And uh, even though his ERA was lower in 2020, I think that his 2021 season it was even better because he had a, a lower whip. He had lower hits per nine, a lower home run per nine, a low walk rate. And yes, the strikeout rate dropped to, from 17.5 to 12.8, but 
I mean, listen, Kobe's season was so short, so it is a little inflated. It's above his you know career mark of 14-4, but the 12.8 is still more than good enough to be an elite closer. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually have um, Diaz at five on my list, and pretty much for the reasons that you explained, um, you know, just then, I'm seeing some improvement uh, to an extent when it for Diaz. You know, I a 1.75 ERA in 2020. I think it would definitely inflate to closer to two or above two um, if this had been a full season, but. Um, you know, a 3.45 ERA can definitely be improved on, but you mentioned his whip has been decreasing, um, you know, from that 2019 season to 2021. Uh, it's now a 1.05, like you mentioned in 2021. Um, you know, the, the earned runs are down, the walks are uh, pretty much the same, but I mean, that is what it is. Home runs are down as well. Uh, and then the strikeouts are still there, which is something that's really um, important um, as, as a closer being on this list. So just because I see that general improvement and then 32 saves as well in 2021, um, that's really big. I think, you know, with the improvements that are being made to this Mets team, he's going to still be that closer, that number one guy out of the bullpen for the Mets. Um, and I think he's just going to keep improving. And you're right. I don't think we're ever going to see that 2018 season again, especially in New York. Um, but I don't think a like 2.25 ERA with um, 40 saves and, you know, close to 70. I think he could throw close to 70 innings pitched again um, if he gets the, the volume in New York. Um, and then I don't think 100 strikeouts is out of the picture either. So that's yeah. why I have him at five on my list. Again, he's only 27. So there's definitely more time for him to rebound. And I really think 2022 is that year. For yeah, him. I, I don't know. Relief pitchers to a degree are like, I view them the same way as DH, where like the age factor doesn't really bother me as much. Like, yep, that's there's true. there's so many examples of like you know DHs more so obviously, but it just even relief pitchers that are in like their mid thirties and they're still shoving. It's just like a different type of like style. Like, typically when you when you have a guy who's like that you know mid thirties, upper thirties, they're just not throwing that same heat they used to, and then they don't get those crazy strikeout per nine numbers. But I mean. Anything below, like really even like 33, 34, like as long as they're not showing any signs, like glaring signs of like velocity dips, like it's, it's not an issue. And Diaz is still going to be chucking 101 next year. And yeah, he's going to have plenty of opportunities with the Mets. The Mets added already like a ton, and I don't think they're done. And them and the Braves are going to be neck and neck for that, and at least that's just kind of how I think it's going to come down to it. Um, and the last guy I had in the sixth spot is Kenley Jensen. He, you know, kind of refound some velocity, you know, which is kind of surprising when he, in his age 33 season, he had his best year in like four years, I would say now. Um, the strikeouts per nine, you know, it's around the same. The walks per nine went, went up a little bit, but he just didn't give any hits. He was had the lowest hits per nine since 2016 when he was, you know, probably arguably or the best closer in the game. Uh, he's in, with the Dodgers. Well, no, he's a free agent now, right? So, but I think the Dodgers are going to bring him back and he's going to be in that closer position. But regardless, wherever he signs, he will be a closer. That's that's for sure. And I, I just still think that he's not top five just because of, you know, that little downslide he have. And even though he had a big bounce back, I still think there's a chance for that, you know, for him to just maybe slide a little further down to that, um, 
what he was during those like 2018 to 2020 years. Um, and just the fact that we just don't know for for sure where exactly he's going to be. I still think he's going back to LA, but because it's not entirely certain, I have to kind of look at it. Like what if he's like a Mark Melanson and goes to the dime, I mean, yeah, the Dimebacks. like that's going to hurt his value. And I'll, a team like the Dodgers, if you, if you, if I know for sure that he's going to be back with LA, maybe I would consider him for the five spot, but because we just don't know, like Los Angeles is like one of the best teams in the game. So it, it, for the most part, if he signs with like 20 of the other 30 teams, then he's going to be kind of downgrading. You know, he's not going to be going to like a, a superstar contender team. That's going to put him in like prime position to have like, like the 40 uh, saves or so that he's capable of getting. Yeah, uh, no, you're totally right. And I think, um, you know, the thing that sucks about making these lists at a time like now with the lockout is you just don't know everything about the players, where they're going to be. Um, and that's what's really annoying. But, you know, um, we can't wait until the lockout's done because odds are spring training is going to start like a week after. And then, yeah, know, um, we won't be able to fit all of the uh, episodes that we want to record into that time frame. So um, the reason I had, Jansen at seven is just because of the fact that we don't know where he's going to be. Um, yeah. Very good chance that he's going to end up in LA, but you never know what could happen. Um, if he does end up in LA, he's going to get a ton of saves, probably close to 40 again. Um, high volume of innings and, you know, he's a big strikeout guy. So he's going to have those strikeouts for you there. So. Yeah. So we're in, um, we're in the same vein then. We're, we're, we're at the same mindset with, with yeah. Jansen. You have him a little I, lower. I had Jansen at seven, you had Jansen at six. So, I mean, it, pretty much the same spot. And, I mean, he's going to be in that back five, I think, largely because of the fact yeah. that he doesn't um, – we don't know where he's going to be. And then just one more thing on him. I know some of the advanced stats show that he is regressing to an extent. But, I mean, most of his savant stats are red, and the fantasy-relevant ones haven't really changed. Um, his ERA lowered, his whip lowered, um, you know, for those who do category leagues and then earned runs again are lower again. Um, for points leagues and strikeouts are still there. The only concerning thing really is the walks. He had a career high in walks. And I think that's where a lot of the um, regression or concerning advanced metrics, um, you know, uh, show. I think that shows in a lot of the advanced metrics and are the reason why he is regressing according to those stats. Um, But in terms of fantasy relevant stats, the, the saves are there, the innings are there, the strikeouts are there, ERA is there, and whips there. So, for me, I think if he was still with the LA, he probably could beat out Presley for a top five spot on my list, mm-hmm. and probably your list as well, Mike. But yeah. uh, just because of that uncertainty, that's why he's not. Um, yeah, no, yeah, exactly. We're we're in the same in the same vein here. We're, we we view Jansen the same way. I just have him a little bit higher. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he, he had a bounce back year, and I, I think it's more than fair to have him on this list and have him kind of where he is at this point. Uh, so you know, I'm I'm okay to move to five to one. <laughs> All right, now. who do you have five to one, Mike? So at five, I have Ryan Presley, four Emmanuel Classe, three Rocio Iglesias, two Liam Hendricks, and one Josh Hader. So I've got Diaz at five, Ryan Presley at four, Rafael Iglesias at three, Liam Hendricks at two, Josh Shader at one. So our one through three nice is the and same, easy. which nice is, and easy. you know, always makes things easier. Um, I'll just mention that 
I actually at one point had class A at four on my list. Uh Um, I wasn't going to put them over Iglesias or anything. That's where you have them on your list, Mike. So when we do make our list, I'm more than open to moving class A up my list. Um, I think he's going to be absolutely disgusting. He's kind of the James Karinczak of um, this year. For me, I was really high on uh, Karinczak heading into uh, 2021, but things kind of fell off because class A was absolutely dominant but the guy throws three pitch mix mostly throws his cutter and his slider 100 mile an hour cutter that moves like nothing i've ever seen before absolutely absurd um you know uh percentiles on savant red across the board the only one that's not dark red is his k percentage and that's really the only knock against him pitched 69 innings in 2021 and that was coming off uh missing the 2020 season i believe because he was suspended um, but 24 saves, sub one whip at 0.96, only 16 walks, um, and only 10 earned runs with a 1.29 ERA. That's, you know, the makings of a really great closer. Um, and the fact that he still had 74 strikeouts isn't too far off most of the other guys on this list. It's not like Mark Melanson, who had 59, um, de- uh, sorry, uh, Class A still had 74 um, strikeouts, which is really only like 10 off from a lot of the other guys on this list. And I think that low ERA and the high innings pitch total makes up for that to an extent. And I think he can definitely build on that heading into 2022. Yeah, no, definitely. A guy that's that young, a guy that throws literally like a buzzsaw cutter, it like just comes in, especially like on the lefties and at 101 miles per hour, like just such a hard pitch to square up. And really, all it really takes for him is like to kind of develop like one more pitch that kind of this offsets those other ones. Like, and he can play off of it, and the strikeouts will be there. And it helps because he throws that hard, and he might not even need it. But the fa- the fact that he had such a low ERA. Is a case in point of how dominant he is, and the strikeouts, it, they're still in a spot fantasy wise where they're good, but he doesn't walk anyone, doesn't hurt you there. He's a 0.3 home runs per nine, so he doesn't, you know, that's like the most important thing when it comes to earned runs. Like a home run's an instantaneous earned run, and his hits per nine is 6.6, is also the lowest point. And lastly, even though he doesn't get a lot of strikeouts, he is more of like a put the ball on play type of guy, too. And I know that's not always the best thing in the world, but when he limits damage and has such a uh, high ground ball rate and a high soft contact rate, even when like he maybe walks a guy or some guy is lucky enough to get a hit off of him, he's just inducing double plays and getting out of innings so easily. So that's gonna help him get like bulk work in and get you know like the seventy and uh, like seventy five innings that he's gonna get next year. Absolutely, and I mean the the main. Uh, not the main reason, but when we did our top five uh, relief relief pitchers right now episode, mm-hmm. um, my main point for why Class A should be on the list is even though he doesn't have that K per nine, it's still there. Um, you know, it's not 10, but it's 9.5, which is still respectable. And again, 74 strikeouts is still close enough to some of the guys on this list. He puts the ball on the ground at 67.6% of the time, which is more than almost every single closer in the uh, the major leagues right now. So even though he doesn't get a lot of strikeouts, he doesn't walk a lot of guys and he doesn't give up a lot of home runs. 
And even though he is a put the ball and play guy, it's not like he's giving up hard contact. It's yeah. on the ground. And even if it's hard on the ground, that's still probably going to be an out. Yeah. As Josh Donaldson said, ground balls are what we call outs in the major leagues, right? Um, so as long as the ball's on the ground, I don't really see it as a concern. Um, I mean, yeah, like I said before, his percentiles are red. So obviously um, there's no concern there with, um, you know, him giving up a lot of hard contact or anything like his hard hit percentage is in the 96th percentile. Um, so obviously a few of those are going to slip through, but you know, I, it's nothing concerning. He's not going to give up a ton of home runs. He's not going to walk a lot of guys either. So I am definitely okay with class a moving up the one knock that I had against him was just low strikeout total and then yeah. low saves, but the potential is there for him to improve. So I absolutely don't have any reason to not move him off the list at all. Yeah, at one through three is it's awesome that we had him locked in. I guess we're going to start away building our way back up. We can touch so yeah, we can sure. touch upon these three guys, and then um, we have to talk about a few others as well. Uh, with Hader, he is just so like he's just so good, and what what, what makes him so good fantasy wise is the fact that he's still going like, more than the one inning. He's one of the few relievers that can give you those bulk save outings. And when he comes in, he is the most unhittable guy in baseball. Striker per nine at 15.6. His walks per nine is 3.7, which honestly might be the biggest quote-unquote knock on him. But when he allows 3.8 hits per nine, so he just no one's touching him. And that's why his whip was a .835 last year. His FIP was a 1.6 at nine. Had 102 strikeouts in 58.2 innings. And when you look at Guys like, you know, Liam Hendricks, he had 113 strikeouts, but it was in 71 innings. Iglesias had 70 innings and 103 strikeouts. So the fact that he broke 100 and he didn't even had 60 innings, it shows how, like, this gross he is. Um, Hendricks is the 1B to Hader's 1A. Hader being the best lefty, Hendricks the best righty. And it's really all the same thing. They're both on like playoff teams. They're both gonna get a lot of saves. Uh, Hendrick led the AL in saves last year. Uh, the only a slight difference is you know just a slightly lower K per nine, um, a little higher home runs per nine, uh, higher hits per nine. But uh, Hendricks also doesn't walk anyone. He's I think he's the best at limiting walks. And the strikeouts are there. So I mean, when it comes down to it, you really could the draft Hendricks over Hader. I just think Hader overall is still the better reliever and has the potential to be the better fantasy reliever, but it's, it's a one, a one B type of situation. And Iglesias is like, you know, just below them at like the top of tier two. Yeah. Here's the way I look at Hader and Hendricks was in 2021 was Hendricks, the better reliever fantasy wise. I think so. More saves, more innings pitched, even though he had a lot more earned runs, he still had more strikeouts and the 20 plus innings pitched definitely um, makes up for um, those earned runs. But Hader, you know, is what he's able to do in the low volume of innings that he gets is absolutely absurd. And in 2019, he had 75 innings pitched. So I don't see why in 2022, he can't have another 70. And in those 75 innings pitch, he had 138 strikeouts. 
So assuming in 2022, he gets back to his norm of 70, 80 innings pitched, he's going to have 130 plus strikeouts, maybe even 140, 150. And he's still going to have a sub one whip and his ERA is going to be sub three. If that happens, he's going to be better than Hendricks. And I don't see why that can't happen because he's done it before. He did it again in 2018, 81 innings pitched, 143 strikeouts. He just didn't have the saves. And then he followed that up in 2019, pretty much the same thing, but with saves. So that's why Hayter's better, um, in my opinion, than Hendricks heading into 2022 is Hayter's going to get those 70 innings pitched as long as he stays healthy. He's going to get as close to as many saves as Hendricks gets but he's going to get far more strikeouts. He's going to have a lower whip. He's going to have a lower ERA. And in 2021, Hayter had eight earned runs. Eight. That's like, that's insane. And I know we had 24 walks, but to only give up eight earned runs means he's elite with runners in scoring position, leaves a ton of guys on. And even though he walks those guys, they don't come around to score. So it's not really that big of a yeah. threat. It's really close fantasy wise though. I mean, like, when you combine, like, if I combine their stats from 2019 to now, and the reason I did that is that's when Hendricks became, like, you know, I think we can consider him the best reliever in, in uh, the sport, uh, especially if, when the, if you want to look at the right side and compare him to the hater. Uh, so, just looking at ERA, Hendricks hasn't beat a 208 to 223. Uh, Hendricks also has a lot more games, 168 games to haters, 142, 100, and then, yeah, so he, he gapped there. Uh, saves, that's where Hater hasn't beat, 84 to 77. Innings pitched, Hendricks has about 30 more, which is pretty substantial. Uh, Hits-wise, Hater basically has half. 74 hits allowed in 153 innings, and Hendricks has 120 hits in 180 innings. So it's not quite half, but it's close to it. Run scored. Hater has less runs, 40 to 47. His less earned runs, 38 to 42. Hendricks to less home runs, 17 to 21. Hater has more walks. Uh, Hendricks has more strikeouts. Uh, and then <clears throat> hits per nine. Hater's better. Home runs per nine. Hater's a little worse. Walks per nine. Hendricks is a lot better. Strikeouts per nine. Hater's better. So it's like it's really back and forth. Um, in terms of like rate stats, uh, Hader has a better rates. Just with the strikeouts, has more saves and less innings, and but it, it, the more bulk work, you have more innings from Hendricks. Uh, he even has more innings, less home runs. His uh, runs and earned runs are in the same area, so it's really close in that regard. And if you just look at you know like last year, I guess. Um, Hater is kind of like Corbin Burns, and Liam Hendricks is kind of like Zach Wheeler, where he still has insane numbers, but you know the better rate stats and still has a very good workload once of getting the the Cy Young award. And that's kind of how I'm viewing the Hater thing too. And it's yeah. the same thing with fantasy, where um, Hater, you know, has that potential just to be the best guy, and he's even if he's not at his you know, his absolute best, he's still the second best. But when it comes to uh, Hendricks, I think that he's going to be the second best reliever, but at his best, he can be the first. So it's kind of like the vice versa. And I'm just taking Hater overall. That's just my guy. Yeah, absolutely. I'm taking Hater too. Um, the upside 
you know, not saying that Hendricks doesn't have upside, but I think what Hendricks showed in 2021 is what we're going to expect from him. And I think Hater can be better than that. So that's why I took Hater. Yeah, it's so um, close, dude. You know, it is close. Yeah. It's so close. I'm honestly so close to convincing myself to put Hendricks on one. That's how, that's how close this is. All right, let's move on before that happens. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so, Hater 1, Hendricks 2, Iglesias 3. All right, so now this is where things get a little spicy. You had Ryan Presley at 4? Yeah. Okay, mate, why is he 4? I have him at 5. So, really, like I mentioned before, the one knock I have on Class A is the strikeouts and the um, the saves. And I know the saves when you compare them to Presley, isn't really, um, that big of a knock, um, just because Presley only has three more saves, but the strikeouts again, 10 more for Presley. Um, and like I said, I had class a at four. Um, I just moved Presley in front of them. Also Presley plays for the Astros. So slightly better team, more wins, more save chances. Um, and you know, Presley plays in, Actually, he doesn't play in as many games as um, as Class A, so I'm fine with moving Class A into the four spot. Um, yeah, I just I, I, back it's, on the last second whim. So I, I, again, it's it's super close, and I mean, I'm looking at Presley's stats, trying to make a case to see if I can put him now over Class A, but I, I don't think you can. Um, I, I mean, it's like he still has insanely good numbers. Like he's all, uh, obviously the ERA, the the FIP, the WHIP, all those are super good, right? Like still, like the walks are very good. Doesn't allow walks. The strikeout per nine is eleven four, which again is insanely good. The hits per nine is six point nine. The home runs per nine is point six. So like, anyway, Slicey is not allowing a lot of hits. He's not allowing a lot of home runs. He walks less. He strikes out more. It is kind of it, he's he's right there. The, the reason why it's weird is like. I think he was the closer full time, right, for the Astros last year. He still only got twenty six saves. I'm not sure if that's because the opportunities weren't there. And I, mean, I know it's the year to year thing. It's I'm looking also too, like the the workload. So they pitch the class. They wanted pitching a few more innings and over sixty nine and two thirds compared to sixty four on the dot. Um, and in that time, class A allowed two more hits, allowed one less run. Allowed six less un, uh, uh, earned runs, half the home runs, three more walks, intentional walks I don't care about, uh, strikeouts, uh, 74 to 81. No, so again, that's what that's actually doing in less, more strikeouts and less innings. Um, and like all of uh, class A's, you know, there's baseball stats like the ERA, the, the whip, the FIP, all those are lower, but for fantasy wise. I think I'm going to flip Presley in class A fantasy yeah. wise. I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, it, it, that was a last second win for me. Really. The only thing that Presley has on class A is the strikeouts and the fact that he's pitched for longer. So you know what to yeah. expect from him. Yeah. Um, you know, I, when I was making this list, I, I kind of was like, my mind was half fantasy, half something else. So like, it's not, my orders wasn't the perfect area. And that's kind of why I was, I was still tinkering with the Hendricks hater thing too. But I, I think uh, Presley is, is the move over class A just because like his, his rate stats too are still elite. They're in, in some cases better where he walks less, which walk do matter in fantasy point wise strikeouts do matter. The workload is similar. 
Um, he had more saves, and I think the opportunities is going to be there for Presley with the Astros next year over the Guardians with Class A. So I think that's it really it when it comes to that. So 4-5, bang, bang, done, done. Yeah. No, not locked in. So 1-5 is done. Uh, so now we have Jansen. We had around here. You're Jansen seven. I have it six. Uh, what did you have, Edwin Diaz? I had Diaz at five. Um, Diaz five. Okay. I think Diaz is better than Jansen right now, just because we know where Diaz is going to pitch. Um, you know, there's that security, and that's why I had um, Diaz over Jansen on my list. So let's just look at them again side by side. Let's see. Let's let's kind of look at them. Um, do you want to look at? their 2021 season or are you going to combine like their last few seasons i mean if you combine the last few seasons jensen is going to be better That's, yeah i mean you know, jensen there's, there's no i think doubt. jensen is better even just with 21 you know i i think it's i still think jensen overall is above diaz just because of he's been even though he had like you no know, a down years, they're still very good reliever wise, and there were down years for Jensen. I mean, his worst year, which is three seven one ERA, but he, and he still thirty three saves, and so the K per nine. Hold on, I lost my spot. He still had uh, thirty three saves, and still had a K per nine eleven four, a walk per nine two three, and but the really only difference was like the hits per nine. He got hit up a little more than he normally does at seven point three, which is still very good, just above his you know his career average of five seven. If you look at like Diaz, like his career area is a three two three. You know Jensen's, and that's like um, basically what Jensen's what has been the past few years, as well. So I mean, I mean, I guess that kind of contradicts itself maybe a little bit. I don't know, but I'm trying to explain it. Like, see his no, last, I, I see what you mean. Last um, three really years combined, I, the Mets is a four ERA. Yeah. No, I I see what you mean. I I do think. Diaz is getting better though, and that's why I put him over Jansen. Yeah, um, I, I do think he's getting better, but I still think Jansen is the better fantasy lock. Yeah, that's fine. I can put Jansen over Diaz. Yeah, I'm like I'm just looking. I'm just gonna see like last last three years. And obviously, like you know, his ERA and the COVID season with it being less innings plays less of an effect. So you know, and that's just the thing with Diaz's best year with the Mets is that COVID year and the 25 innings was weighs a lot less than the 58 and the 62 last year. So that's why his ERA like so again ERA Jensen's the 299 Diaz is four innings pitched. Oh I just closed out the freaking thing. I just closed out the freaking link. That's my fault. Hold on. Kenley Jensen Okay, so I, I mentioned ERA. Come on, give me the. Okay, so innings pitched. Diaz has more, has 10. Uh, I mean, Jensen has 10 more. Uh, he's allowed less runs, less earned runs, less home runs, two more walks. Um, Diaz has a lot more strikeouts 238 to 199. Jensen has a 11.5 strikeout to a nine. The Diaz is 14.6. The walk rate is identical at 3.5. The home runs per nine. Jensen is 0.9. The Diaz is 1.2. Hits per nine. Jensen's 6.1. The Diaz is 7.3. 
Uh, obviously, the 2019 season really hurts Diaz and puts him like no, a lot of those numbers ugly. It makes him ugly. That's what I mean. If you away. compare the last three years, I mean, obviously Jansen's going to be better because he hasn't yeah. really had. Uh-huh. That's fair. And but um, you, you look at just last year. Last year, I uh, just do fancy stats. Yeah, fans. Jansen was better too. So I mean, if you want to take the consistency, we can put Jansen over Diaz. I, I don't. But really I, I did like I did say before, Diaz has gotten better every year. Yes, yes. And I do. And expect that's why I had Diaz over. Yeah, I do expect huge things from him. I just, I still am going with Jensen. Okay. He's been That's too fine. good. He's been too reliable. He found a little bit of that magic last year. And I, I think that for it to stay, for him to kind of reinvent himself a little bit and, you know, him for to kind of re, uh, figure things out again, I, I'm I'm still buying into what Jensen did last year. Yeah, I'm not too, um, you know, set with my list, if that makes sense, like, I think with relief pitchers, you can really swap them around a yeah, lot. You like can. Obviously, I think as long as our, I would have made a case if we didn't have the same top three, because I really think um, that that top three should stay. Yeah. And that's kind of why I moved things along before you, uh, you <laughs> changed their, your mind, because I didn't want to have to get into a big conversation about that. Yeah, no, um, dude. A conversation, though, is not the worst thing. Uh, maybe no, we should not, go back. But, no, <laughs> no, it's not. We spent enough time uh, saying why they were so yeah. good. Um, okay. No, 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 you're right. I'm, I'm just teasing. So right now we have one through seven. Then we'll put Diaz at one seven. Through eight, actually, because we both had Chapman, Chapman at eight. eight. So okay. unless you want to switch no, that up. Um, that's cool with me. I'm cool with Chapman at eight. I think that I kind of went a, a little bit overboard with him too. Well, not overboard, but I went I went deep on him when I talked about Chapman. So I think we we said enough. About we him. don't have to talk about him. No, we, yeah. we talked about him for now, a while. Now this is where it kind of gets a little spicy. Where we have yeah, we have <laughs> four names, right? We have we both had Jordan Romano on here. Uh, you had Will Smith. I have Camilo Duvall, and we mentioned Melanson, and that who should be uh, mentioned. Anyone else that? could be mentioned on here that we didn't I mean, talk we talked about. about McGee, but it's either McGee or yeah, um, Duval. And I, then Duval, I think it's, it's leaning. Um, another person we didn't talk about at all though, is Giovanni Gallegos. From a pan- fantasy perspective. No, um, he doesn't get enough saves. Uh, I know the innings pitcher there with 80. Um, he, you know, he's got more than anybody on this list, but only 14 saves doesn't get enough strikeouts to, compensate for um the fact that he doesn't get enough saves and yeah the home runs aren't there and the walks aren't there but there's just not other than the innings pitched he doesn't really have that overwhelming um yeah the the case with him is but the case for him and the case against him is basically yes the saves are not there but he didn't get into that closer role late until later in the year. He actually came in in like August and stabilized it late July, August. The 80 innings is super appealing. That's one of the most in the major leagues last year. He comes into a lot of games and he gave them and the innings, the workload like that is so much fancy points. Uh, nothing about really any home runs. His hits per nine is five seven, which is great. His records per nine is ten point six, which is really good. Um, so that's all the good things going for him and why I did consider him. The reason why I didn't include him on the, on the list is because they still have some guys that could be the closer over him. Like, I still think if I'm picking between Gallegos and like a guy like Jordan Hicks, I think I'm still going with Jordan Hicks as the closer. Um, 
he is a high volume, high leverage guy, and he might be better suited for that role, which is what the Cardinals have used him in recent years. Um, and also they have a new, like a, a whole new manager situation. And we don't know what he's going to want too. So there's a, there's a lot of things up in the air with him, but I, I do think that at least talk about him for a second is, is worth it because of how a good of a relief pitcher he's been. And just because of him potentially being a closer and a bulk closer, which is, is huge for fantasy stuff. Yeah. The, the reason I didn't include any of the St. Louis closers or potential closers on my list is because that bullpen has so many unknowns. You have Alex Rez, Jordan Hicks, and Giovanni Gallegos. Yeah, and Reyes. All, yeah, exactly. And I considered Alex Reyes for my list, but just the inconsistency that he had and the fact he only had 24 saves and lost the closing role later in the season um, really just booted him off my list. Um, but yeah, like Gallegos is good, no doubt about it. Um, I also considered him for our top five relief pitchers right now uh, list as well. It's just the unknowns in that Seattle bullpen. The fact that they have three guys competing for a starting spot or a, a closing spot. Odds are because of that competition, there's not going to be. Um, I, I don't think one of the guys is going to be the closer for the entire season because as soon as he goes through a rough patch, somebody else is going to take over and he's yeah. going to lose his spot. Yeah, so, it's definitely possible. I mean, I could definitely see, you know, like it's like June, July. The Cardinals are struggling a little bit. The Brewers are getting like a five-game lead over them around the All-Star break, you know, and then they like go from the Lagos is out and then Alex Race is in, you know. That's like a yeah. that's a headline that you can easily see when you have three big guys like that. And it's still kind of like a committee of trying to figure out what's going on. And it's in help that they don't even know who's gonna be managing the team, too. Yeah. You know, that's that's what I'm saying. Like Glagos has a lot of good things for him, but I just think that that not knowing like where the manager is going to use him and not knowing who the manager is going to be like those two factors are too like big to overcome for Gallegos to make the list. But again, I just want to talk about him. No, absolutely. I think the other guy that I was considering as well at one point was Craig Kimbrell. Um, If he played for any other team than Chicago, because I guess he's still technically a white sock right now. Um, he would probably be on this list just because of what he's done in the past and, you know, what he did in the first half of the season with Chicago. Um, But because he, I believe he had one save and six holds in 23 innings with Chicago after the trade deadline. Yeah. You know, obviously, obviously Hendricks is going to be the number one guy in that bullpen and Kimbrell's not going to get many saves at all to make him fantasy relevant. The only thing he's going to get is strikeouts and innings pitched. And you can get that from, any other closer in the major leagues. And, you know, right now, Kimbrough's yeah. not a closer, so I don't really consider him for this list at all. Yeah, right now, I would take, like, a Scott Barlow with the Royals over Kimbrough yeah. because he's a closer. I would take but, Galegos over Kimbrough right now, honestly. Yeah. Because um, yeah. he'll so get how about this? How, I think the relief pitchers, and I guess the fantasy relief pitchers, a lot of them have to be closers, and that's kind of – that drives their value, and we don't know a lot about, like, who's going to be closers and what. So maybe – once you know a lot of these guys sign maybe when some trades are made perhaps we can kind of for at least this list we can make a we can revisit it and if Kimbrough becomes a closer maybe we can throw him on the list somewhere yeah for sure i think Um, that this one we can definitely alter later because there's so much stuff up in the air still absolutely and i mean when that cardinal situation gets figured out we can um you know talk about 
Glagos or, or, you know, Reyes or even Hicks as well. Cause I think one of those three guys could make an appearance on the list. We'll see. But yeah. if we find time, we can definitely um, redo this yeah. list. It's just, we're doing it now because it's in the middle of our fantasy list. So it makes sense to. Yeah. On February 19th, it, you know? the recording, February 19th. Yes. I know it's, that's not bad. So, all right. So we have the eight first eight spots down again, get back on fully on topic here. Uh, Jordan Romano, we both had him. I had him at nine. You had him at 10. Uh, do you want to just put him at the nine spot then? And we can have our guys kind of fight for the 10 spot or. Here's the way I see it. Um, if we have Deval on the list, Romano is going to be nine because I don't think, um, Deval is better than Romano. If we're putting a guy who's really only pitched, I believe it's only 23 innings or something like that in the major leagues. Um, I, I don't think he's better than Romano or should be placed higher than Romano. But if we go with Smith, I do think Smith is better than Romano um, hmm. as of right now, unless you disagree with that. No, I, I don't fully disagree with it. I, I think that's what I'm saying. Like I, I opened up the podcast with my list and I, I, I immediately made it known that Will Smith was right there. Yes. And I'm I'm totally okay with him being on the list over a guy like Duvall just because he's not firmly in the reliever spot and he, because he's so young, and we haven't really seen him all too much. And uh, that I'm a, I'm a really like okay with that. Like if you look at his projected stats too, like you see, like his reliability score is 21. percent And I know in Baseball Reference, like you know, it's, it means really nothing. But if you look at really anyone's reliability score, it's all of them, I think, are going to be a lot higher than that. I think relief pitchers, their reliability scores are always the lowest because like, like we always talk about, again, how you know, year in, year out, it's so different. But normally, when you look at like, guys like reliability score, when it comes to starting pitchers and position players, they're usually like the good guys are always in the 70s and 80s. And I think the good closers are always in the 40s and 50s. And Duvall is a 21. You know, like Iglesias is 52. Hendricks is... 52, Hader is 48, uh, Romano is 44, Chapman's 47. So that's, you know, that 40s, 50 range is kind of where the best relievers are. And for Duvall to be 21%, it makes things a little meh. And uh, Will Smith is a 51%, and his 51% in, uh, has, involves him getting, you know, a lot of saves, inning, strikeouts. So in with the Braves team, too. Yeah, I don't know. If if I'm going, if I'm gonna have to stick to like me being like you know rationally consistent, I kind of have to I think put Will Smith over uh, Duvall. So yeah, I was gonna say Duvall's limited Will, exposure. Think, yeah, I think Will Smith at nine, Jordan Romano ten. I think okay. that's the list. That's we can I'm, do that. Yeah, um, you know Duvall's limited exposure can go both ways for him. It can be yeah. a good thing. It can also be a bad thing. You don't look at Class A, but. Um, I just think he hasn't pitched enough and this isn't that weak of a list for a guy like him to be able to crack it. If that makes sense. It's not yeah. like our catchers list where a guy like Hebert Ruiz and oddly Rutschman were able to crack the list just because it's such a weak list. This is a little bit more of a stronger position, not the strongest, but it's a stronger position that I don't really think a guy who has only pitched 27 innings um, in yeah. 2021, recorded only three saves, had a 3.0 ERA with a 1.04 whip, could, 
you know, crack it. Don't get me wrong. The ERA and the whip are great, but it's such a small sample size when you compare it to other guys who were able to, you know, throw 60, 70 innings and have similar metrics. Um, It just, you know, I, I just, I, I like, I liked what I saw with him. You know, I watched a lot of the giant giants games late down the stretch because of how exciting that, you know, NL West uh, division race was. So I saw a lot of him in September and then in the postseason games. And I just, I really liked what he saw. And um, we left off guys, you know, like Kimbrel too, this uh, Gallegos. Uh, I had left off Will Smith. It just shows like how many good relief pitcher, good relief pitcher closers they are uh, fantasy wise. And I, I wanted him to kind of get his shine. And, you know, if, if we just use him merely as an honorable mention, I, I didn't think that that served his, you know, served him good enough. I, I want him to get like a complete like dive into and compare him into the other guys and see if we can make a case for him. And I was really pushing, but this I Will Smith has been too good um as a relief pitcher. He's gonna be locked in that spot. And because of that, he he has to be over Duvall. Yeah, I mean, you made a good case for Duvall. We talked about him at the beginning of the podcast. We just talked about him now at the end. Yeah. Um, it's just, again, when you look at a guy like Will Smith, the closer for the reigning World Series champions, he's going to have that spot at the beginning of the season. You know, the Braves are going to win a ton of games, um, whether or not they bring back Freeman. Um, you know, maybe not at the beginning of the season because they won't, if they don't bring back Freeman, they're not going to have Freeman or Acuna. But, you know, during the summer, um, in the back half of the season, Smith is going to be a very valuable asset because he's going to, you know, get a ton of saves. Um, yeah. He's going to guarantee you 30 saves. He's going to give you 60 innings and he's going to get 80 plus strikeouts. So for me, um, that's something that'll put him at the back half of this list. You know, even though he does did have 26 earned runs and 28 walks in 2021, those are really the only two knocks against them, but saves innings, pitch and strikeouts are good enough to yeah. put him at the back of the list. All right. So that's the one through 10. So uh, I will go one through 10 as always. We can do some honorable mentions and then we'll wrap things up. So at number one, we got Josh Hader. Number two, Liam Hendricks. Number three, Rasael Iglesias. Number four, Ryan Presley. At five, we got Emmanuel Classe. Number six, Kenley Jansen. Number seven, Edwin Diaz. Number eight, Aroldis Chapman. Number nine, Will Smith, the closer. And number 10, Jordan Romano. Will be nuts if Will Smith the catcher made this list. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying. Um, yeah, no, I, I like that list a lot. And uh, you know, Kimbrell, Melanson, McGee, um, Duvall, you know, those four guys I think are the key honorable mentions that Absolutely. Um, of this podcast at least. And uh, I guess some names that we didn't mention. Uh Ranger Suarez. I don't know if he's in the bullpen or not, but I, I think he's supposed to start. That's uh, that's yeah. the reason I left a guy like him and mm-hmm. Garrett Whitlock off, um, just because I think people are projecting them to be starters heading out of spring training um, because both of their teams, I believe, is uh, Suarez on the Phillies or the Rangers? I can't remember, but either one of those teams. Phillies, um, now, I believe. Is it Phillies? Okay, yeah. Funny how the Phillies want him to be a starter because their bullpen is terrible, but. Anyways, um, you know, I, I think um, that's the reason I left him off. And then Garrett Whitlock as well, lack of saves, also going to be a starter. Um, but if we're looking at Boston, I mean, Matt Barnes is, 
you know, pretty good, gets a ton of strikeouts, decent amount of saves and, you know, not enough innings pitch to really qualify for our list, but you know, if you yeah. need a closer, he's not terrible. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned Scott Barlow, the closer for the Royals. Uh, I think he's a guy that it should be highly considered. Uh, Luis Severino of the Yankees. We saw him come back out of the bullpen, you know, his velocity saw the come uh, the jump between his last few uh, appearances uh, he's another guy is probably going to be in the rotation again for the Yankees, but we never know what's going to happen. If he finds himself in the bullpen, he could be like a super exciting bullpen piece to add late on. Uh, Cal Quantrill with the guardians, another really good reliever guy. He had an insane uh, second half. Um, the only thing is we're not sure if that breakout is something that's going to stay. You know, he's a guy that's had that potential for years. It's never really happened, but, Last year was super uh, shocking, and if he does pull things together, and now it's him figuring it out, like that's the guy to look out for. Uh, Drew Streckenrider with the Mariners. I think uh, Seawall might be the 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 guy down the. It was he was the guy down the stretch. Um, they also have Ken Giles. That's another name that we didn't yeah. that we didn't consider yeah, for this list. He, but... he was struck with the guy down the stretch. You know, um, a, a Scott Service. He stuck with him on the stretch. Um, Seawall has better peripherals, but the Mariners um, went with um, Strecken Rider down the stretch. And they also, yeah, they have Ken Giles come back from TJ. So yeah. I think that he is going to be the, the closer going into the year, but with the short leash. But regardless, going to be a good relief pitching on, uh, on the team. And then Dylan Floro with the Marlins is the last guy I, I mentioned. Um, his thing is just, you know, the Marlins, not a lot of saves. Uh, he had. Uh, 13 saves over the last two months of the year when he went into that role. Um, Anthony Bender is definitely a more flasher option, but Dylan Floro um, seems to be the preference of Don Mattingly, and that's kind of what matters for uh, you know, fantasy wise. If he's going to be the closer, the manager's going to be the closer, then he has uh, the, uh, the closer points locked into him. <clears throat> and yeah, that's it for my for me. That's all my guys. Yeah, I think you touched on pretty much every single closer in the league uh, with that list. But uh, no, no, another guy, like, um, like sixteen, <laughs> so half the league, but close no. enough. Yeah, um, Ian Kennedy's uh, a guy who's interesting. I'm not sure if he had one year left on his contract when he was traded to Philadelphia at the trade deadline. Um, but wherever he ends up, whether it's Philadelphia or somewhere else, he's going to get a lot of saves. Um, and innings as well. Doesn't get a ton of strikeouts, but he's still valuable to have. And, um, you know, I think we mentioned uh, Gallegos, but whoever comes out of that St. Louis bullpen is going to be a very valuable piece as well. Um, whether that's Hicks, Reyes, Gallegos, or somebody else that we haven't really heard of <laughs> yet. And then, you know, you mentioned Doval as well. Um, he'll be very good. So uh, with that, do you have any closing thoughts, Mike? Nope. Oh, well, actually, right. Will Smith, the pitcher, or Will Smith, the catcher? Either one. Whatever you want. Well, I'm saying, like, who, who do you – who's your guy? Like, which, Oh, who's which my Will, guy? Yeah, which Will um, Smith do you like better? I'm, I'm Dodger Will Smith. I'm the, I'm the catcher Will Smith all the way. That's my boy. I like uh, – yeah, baby, Smith, baby face Will Smith. He is uh, – you're, you're the catcher Will Smith? You're him also? You know, you're, you're either um, a reliever Will Smith guy or a catcher Will Smith guy. There's no one with you can't you can't beat both. 
No one's been. Unless you're, unless you're the actor Will Smith. Too many Will Smiths. Oh yeah, maybe then you're also <laughs> actor Will Smith. I'm yeah. kidding. Um, I mean, here's the thing: catcher Will Smith is, you know, he's young and he's probably got the potential to be the best. If we're talking fantasy wise, become the best catcher in baseball not even fantasy wise just who's your but guy yeah it, yeah it, in general too uh give him a couple years and let his defense improve a little bit and i think he can become the best catcher in baseball given you know um right. give real muto a few years to age and grandall a few years to age as well i think smith could take over the reins as that as well um you know smith is a little bit older and i think by the time smith becomes the best catcher um you know right. will smith is yeah that's why i'll make sure i, I want to see where you're at you know if you were a will smith picture guy we could have serious problems over here you know will smith the catcher <laughs> guy is he's the man we gotta, we gotta see what jb thinks if he's a will smith pitcher or will smith catcher type of guy i have a feeling he's definitely a will smith pitcher guy that's that's, that's, that's a German probably thing. that's his that's his kind of thing he'll dig yeah. up some uh crazy stats and that's a jeremy thing absolutely yeah all right yeah sounds good uh, so i'm all good all right so we'll go through the list one more time Josh Hader, we have him at number one. Liam, Liam Hendricks is at number two. Rasael Iglesias is at number three. Uh, Ryan Presley is at four. Emmanuel Classe is at five. Kenley Jansen is at six. Edwin Diaz at seven. Aroldis Chapman at eight. Will Smith, the pitcher, at nine. And Jordan Romano at ten. So there you have it. That is your official America's Pastime Podcast Top Ten fantasy relief pitchers thank you very much for listening and we will see you next time when we do our top 10 fantasy designated hitter list take care everybody see you later